Hello, folks, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of Video Game Mythos. My name is Ryan. On today's episode of Video Game Mythos, we are going to look at a video game for the Nintendo Switch and recently released on Steam platform is a game known as Octopath Traveler. This game is going to be a tough one to cover. There are eight separate contingent storylines in this game. So in this episode of Video Game Mythos, we are going to look at each of these eight. That's right, this is an introduction to Octopath Traveler. So why don't you pack your bags and get ready to go on a journey across the lands that will bring us to the light of truth. Octopath Traveler is so far a very enjoyable experience. It doesn't have the same feel, the same isolation from the world that you normally have in an RPG. You know, you're given the control of one or possibly a small party of characters, and you're always together and you explore through the world as a unit. Octopath Traveler is not that way. In Octopath Traveler, literally the name of the game, Octopath, meaning that there are eight separate paths, and Traveler, indicating that there are those that journey, there are eight individuals in the world whose destines are intertwined and whose fate is linked. So in today's episode of Video Game Mythos, we're going to look at each of the eight at the beginning of each of these characters. So without further ado, we're going to start off with Olberic. Olberic Eisenberg. Before moving to Cobblestone, he was known throughout the land as the Unbending Blade due to the sheer power with which he handled his sword. Olberic served under the King of Hornburg with his close friend, Earnhardt. Olberic discovered that Earnhardt was a traitor. Earnhardt killed the king in front of Olberic, and then Olberic and Earnhardt fought. In this fight, Olberic loses. Earnhardt wins the fight and gets away. After losing his country in the war, Olberic moved to a secluded village and hides under the alias Berg, allowing people to think that he is the mighty Olberic Eisenberg that died along with his country. He acts as the town's combat instructor, aiding the townsfolk in protecting their homes from those that would bring it harm. Olberic stayed in Cobblestone for about eight years before the events that stir his resolve once more. On what starts as a typical day in Cobblestone, Philip, kidnapped by a group of bandits, Olberic tracks them down in their hideout and battles their leader, Gaston. Upon realizing Gaston's sword was one that was once held by Earnhardt, Olberic springs to life, demanding to be told where Earnhardt is. After being defeated by Olberic, Gaston states that Gustav, another man who knew Earnhardt, may know his whereabouts. And so begins the quest of Olberic Eisenberg. You are now quested to scour the lands for this man named Gustav in hopes that he will know where Earnhardt lives, where Earnhardt is, in order to bring justice to your once beloved king and to your once lost country's name. Next up, Primrose Azelhart. Ten years ago, Primrose witnessed three men break into her home and murder her father. All three 
had the mark of the crow somewhere on their bodies. One on his left arm, the other on his right, and the last one had it on his neck. As she was young, Primrose simply cowered in fear as she watched the events transpire. She left home and began traveling from place to place to find leads on where these men might have been so she can have her revenge. Two years later, her information gathering led her to the town of Sunshade, where she was taken in by Helganesh and fashioned into a dancer. She endured Helganesh's abuse, but only for the sake of finding one of the men who murdered her father. At the start of Octopath Traveler, she is still seen dancing for Helganesh and persevering through his manipulative tendencies toward his dancers. While enduring another night at work under Helganesh, Primrose finally spots a man with the mark of the crow on his left arm at the tavern. She attempts to pursue him, but is stopped by Helganesh. Her friend Yasufa offers to distract their employer while Primrose goes after them. As Primrose follows this man with the mark of the crow, she spots him hand a map to Helganesh. As Primrose follows this man deep into the sunshade catacombs, as she exits, she is greeted by Helganesh, who has captured her friend Yafusa. After Helganesh murders Yafusa in front of Primrose, Primrose is putting up with Helganesh's bullcrap no more and engages him in battle, finally slitting his throat. She takes the map that was handed to him by the man with the mark of the crow. She sets off for still snow where the map points in pursuit of the left-hand crowed man. Next up, Therian. Therian was in prison for an unspecified reason. He meets Darius, and thanks to Therian's smart thinking, they break out and start a life as thieves on the run. The moment Darius saw Therian's thieving talent, he planned to use him to reach his goal of being at the top of the world. That was the only reason Darius kept Therian around. Four years later, Darius was approached by the Kano group and offered a place in their ranks if he disposed of Therian. Darius gladly agreed to this, and after sharing the truth with Therian, Darius pushed Therian off of a cliff. Therian miraculously survived the fall. He stayed in Borderfall and continued honing his skills as a thief until he gained the title of Master Thief. After hearing rumors in the tavern of a great treasure that lies in the Ravis Manor, Therian breaks in and discovered that it is heavily protected by guards, dogs, and traps. He enters the manor by stealing an invitation from a merchant and reaches the so-called treasure, a blue gemstone. He is then confronted by Heathcote, a butler of the manor. As Therian attempts to escape, the two engage in battle, with Therian emerging victorious. During the battle, Heathcote slips a fool's bangle, a mark of shame onto Therian's wrist. Cordelia Ravis, owner of the Ravis Manor, the proprietor of the manor, explains that her family's treasures, the four dragonstones, had been stolen. The fool's bangle would only be removed from Therian's wrist if Therian stole them back. 
Therian reluctantly agrees to this blackmail and heads out on his journey to find the four dragonstones of the Ravenous Manor. Next up, Ophelia Clement. Ophelia was an orphan. Both of her parents died in the war. The Flames Grace Cathedral, led by an archbishop named Joseph. Archbishop Joseph adopted Ophelia and treated her as if she was his own blood daughter. At first, Ophelia shut herself away and refused to let anyone talk to her, thinking that she was fated to be alone and miserable forever. Liana, the actual blood daughter of the Archbishop Joseph, was able to help Ophelia out of her shell by bringing her atop of a hill that overlooked the cathedral. Liana hoped that this place would become Ophelia's favorite spot as well. Ophelia's story begins on the onset of Liana's pilgrimage. Liana was destined to set off on a pilgrimage across the land as a rite of passage for her and her family as they hold up the cup in the Flames Grace Cathedral. The night before Liana was to set off on her pilgrimage, Joseph falls gravely ill. Crushed by the fear of what may become of their father, Liana confides in Ophelia, and Ophelia resolves to venture into the Cave of Origin and take Alfrex's Lanthorn, which places the duty of the pilgrimage upon herself so that Liana may remain by Joseph's side. Next, Tressa Calzione. Tressa is the daughter of two merchants who built a trading shop in Rippletide along the coastlands. She is referred to by her father as the shop's best employee due to her, her haggling skills and her knowledge about being a merchant. It's something she picked up on as she grew up with a family of barterers. For 18 years, Tessa lived in Rippletide with her family and continues working at the shop since she could remember. Oftentimes, however, she could not help but wonder what she really wanted in life and what she wanted to do besides working at the lodging house. An unfamiliar merchant ship touches down in Rippletide, and the captain introduces himself as Leon. With his help, Tressa is able to reclaim the township's goods that were stolen by pirates in the caves of Maya. In the process, she nearly is overwhelmed by Mick and Mock's men. But Leon intervenes. He reveals his identity as an infamous pirate captain, scaring them off for good. Leon allows Tressa to take one of the treasures from his ship. She chooses Graham's Crawford's notebook, despite its lack of monetary value. She is intrigued by its records of the continent. She spends the rest of the day reading it, then deciding that she would go and see the world for herself. Next up, Hanit. Hanit is one of the few people who has been taught the ways of hunting by the clan who make their home in the Swarki. When she was an infant, her parents passed away. Zanta, a very talented hunter, decided to raise Hanit and make her his apprentice. A year before the events of her story, Zanta left the village in pursuit of a fearsome beast named Red Eye. Hanit was asked to remain in the village as the guardian until her mentor's return from his hunt. A year has passed since Zanta's departure, and all Hanit has of him is the letter mentioning his whereabouts. 
One day, an official arrives and asks Hanit to hunt the Grizarma, which has which is a great beast that fled its native habitat and settled in the forest near town. Hanit notes that this beast has killed for sport rather than survival. Hanit confronts the monster and kills it. Upon her return to Swarki, she is approached by Hagen, Zanta's direwolf companion. He is visibly frightened and agitated, and Hanit senses that Zanta is in danger. She sets off in the world. It is this moment when Hanit decides that she is no longer going to wait for Zenta. She is going to set off in the world, find him, and save him. Next up, Alfin Greengrass. Alfin was known as a runt by his friend Zeph, with the two of them being close since their childhood years. When he was younger, Alfin fell ill from a plague called the Great Pestilence. Zeph's father, who was renowned for his medicine, had been at a loss for how to cure the disease. He, along with what he assumed would be the rest of the sick in Clearbrook, only got better with the help of a traveler. After being saved by the stranger, Alfin had asked why he would heal a dirt-poor person such as himself, but the man simply disregarded this and said that he helped because he was in the need and asked nothing in return. This sparked interest in becoming an apothecary and has then studied in order to become like the man who saved him. After the death of Zeph's father, Athlan had suggested to him to study apothecary with him so that they can both help people they care about, which eventually paid off. The townsfolk started to depend on them both more after completing their practices, especially considering of how insistently Alfin gives out discounts with his effective cures. A year before Alfin's story begins, his mother passes away. Alfin pays a visit to his mother's grave before returning to work. Zeph's little sister Nina was bitten by a bottled viper. While trying to pick up water blooms with her friend Lily, Alfin tracks down the snake and slays it for its venom, bringing the venom to Zeph to make an antivenom to cure Nina. He reflects on his experience and decides he will travel the world as he always wanted following in the footsteps of the man who saved him in his youth by bringing him his services wherever it is needed. Next up, last but not least, Cyrus Albright. Your name is Cyrus, and you are a scholar. You teach at the Royal Academy in Atlas Dam. And though you have numerous admirers, your only true passion is the pursuit of knowledge. There is so much I would learn. One day, you realize that an invaluable tome has vanished from the Royal Library, piquing your insatiable curiosity. Cyrus is a professor to Therese and Princess Mary at the Royal Academy in Atlas Dam. He is disapproved of by Headmaster Vaughn for his willingness to share knowledge contained in the tomes of the Royal Archive. While attempting to read a book in the archive, Cyrus discovers it is missing. After choosing to investigate, Cyrus discovers that a colleague of his, Russell, had been stealing and selling valuable tomes in order to pay off his debts. Cyrus then learns that there is still one book missing that vanished before Russell's thievery began. In the wake of a troubling rumor, Cyrus leaves the academy in pursuit of a tome that vanished in the archive some 15 years ago. 
from the far reaches of hell. Each of these stories in Octopath Traveler begin you on a journey with its own merit, such as Primrose, who wants revenge for her father and her family's name, will tolerate a sexist bigot in order to find information that will lead her on the path to, to attaining that revenge. Or Olberic, who has a strong sense of patriotism for his once beloved king and country. His passion is reignited at the thought of finally getting revenge to his name. Or Tressa, wanting to set off and see the world, becoming a great merchant by staying at home and trading all of her life she wants to do nothing more than to just see the world and experience what's out there. Or how about Cyrus, an amazing scholar, someone who is always in the pursuit of knowledge, is blackmailed by a rumor and set out along the world to discover one of the most expensive tomes had been missing, and he will find it. Thank you for listening to yet another episode of Video Game Mythos. I hope you liked this introduction. It's a little longer, a little bit more detail than I'm used to, but hey, I guess you got to hit the ground running with games like this. There's so much content to enjoy, and there's just so much level of detail in these intricate stories that they've crafted for us to enjoy. I would like to thank you for joining me on this episode, and I would like to thank all of the new listeners, as the Video Game Mythos podcast has been growing considerably over the past week. We have also have a website, Check us out online at 13palmtrees.com and then check on the Video Game Mythos Project. I would like to thank you for listening to Video Game Mythos.